episode of the Skiff Meetings podcast, the podcast for curious event professionals. My name is Andrea Doyle, and I am the executive editor of Skiff Meetings. In this episode titled Safe Not Sorry, I speak with Gary LeBranch, the CEO of RIMS, the Risk Management Society. Sadly, a fatal shooting near the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta, where Risk World was preparing for its final day, gave LeBranch no other choice than to cancel the general session and closing party. He explains what it was like to learn that there was a fatal shooting in the city where 9,000 global risk management professionals and 300 exhibitors were gathered for his conference, a shooting in which the assailant was still at large. He shares that this was the most stressful four hours of his 42-year career. We also discuss how a crisis plan should be citywide, how time is precious in a situation like this, and how collaboration is key. We also chatted about why meeting professionals today must also be risk managers. He also spoke about another conference that was impacted by a cyber attack and how even in light of all this, he still feels there is nothing more powerful than getting people together face to face. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation, and I invite you to check out other episodes of Skiff Meetings Podcast with tips and insights from today's most influential event professionals. You can find all the episodes on our website or subscribe through your favorite podcast service. Detroit has always been America's assembly line of creativity and innovation. It's home to groundbreakers, movers and shakers, the next generation that will change the nation. Bring your meeting to Detroit, then take it all in. Award-winning dining, a captivating live music scene, and world-class outdoor spaces like America's Top River Walk, as ranked by USA Today. This is your invitation to join America's true originals. Plan your meeting in Detroit. Get started at visitdetroit.com. So, Gary, you are the CEO of the Risk and Insurance Management Society, better known as RIMS, and it's a professional association serving approximately 10,000 risk management professionals in over 60 countries. Can you explain a bit about your career journey and how you have come to be in this position? Well, sure. And thank you very much for for having me. I'm delighted to to be here. Uh, RIMS has been around for 75 years. Uh, We've uh, we actually uh, engage with about 200,000 professionals throughout um, the world through our social media uh, and through um, uh, our other uh, contacts. Uh, we have a, about uh, 10,000 uh, members, but the, the impact of the organization goes well beyond that. Um, and uh, and uh, we we are, are a pretty comprehensive uh, professional society. Um, uh, I have been uh, uh, an association professional my whole career, uh, which now is in its 42nd year. Um, I started out after college at The Ohio State University, uh, working for an association and have had the privilege of working for uh, several, including um, the ASAE, where I ran ASAE's uh, meetings, uh, education, convention, uh, exposition, uh, certification programs, among other things. 
uh, worked at the United States Chamber of Commerce as their liaison to the association community. I was uh, president and CEO of the Association Forum of Chicagoland, which is the association of all the associations that are in the greater Chicagoland area, of which there are about 2,200, um, and uh, later became uh, CEO of the Association for Corporate Growth, which served the middle market private equity uh, community. I did that job for about nine years, uh, and we did about a thousand events a year with our with our chapters, uh, including a, a major U.S. convention and a conference for six thousand in China. Uh, and then I moved from there to become CEO of NERI, the Investor Relations Society, which served the investor relations officers of America's publicly traded companies uh, dealing with uh, uh, shareholder communications and securities related issues. Uh, and then I became CEO of RIMS on June 1st of 2022. Uh, so barely a year and a half ago uh, and uh, was you know recruited uh, to, to join RIMS to succeed a long-term uh, CEO. And it's, it's been a, a, a delight. I've enjoyed uh, almost every minute uh, of, of my tenure at RIMS, it's uh, got a great team, and uh, it's a it's a big industry, and we do big things, so it's it's very exciting. Do you see yourself as an association professional or an event professional, and what are the big differences between these two roles? Well, um, uh, I consider myself uh, to be an association professional. Um, not all associations uh, actually have big conventions and, and meetings or, you know, even really a lot of events. Uh, uh, RIMS does. Uh, and mostly through my career, I have uh, been involved uh, as directly as, a, as an event professional. Uh, like when I was at ASAE, I ran all of ASAE's meetings, including its annual convention, yeah, its annual meeting. Uh, uh, but, uh, my, over the years, my personal career journey has broadened my responsibilities well past, uh, uh, just events to include advocacy, public policy, uh, in general management, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I think of myself really in the, in the broader general management terms, uh, as an association or really as a, as a business professional. How do you explain to friends and family what you do? You know, I'm I'm an advocate for the profession of association management. So I'm happy to to blather on uh, uh, for a lot, long periods of time to to help people understand the uh, unique and valuable role that association managers play, uh, and, and and have uh, have have uh, helped many folks over the decades better appreciate that you know all around them uh, associations touch them in their lives in, in many ways. And there is this unique uh, group of individuals who uh, who learn specialized skills uh, and uh, work in a, in a unique and specialized environment with typically with volunteers uh, and with chapters and with all, you know, things that make our space uh, uh, rather unique. Uh, and often that includes, you know, uh, conferences and conventions that could include thousands and thousands of people that we bring together for three to five days once a year and create an entire city and create an entire experience. Uh, and it, and it's a, an ephemeral, thrilling and exhausting experience. And it's uh, it's yeah. truly unique. So your focus right now is on risk management. When it comes to events, is there a more focus on risk management today? Yes, I believe so. Uh, in in part because of the the rise in 
um, uh, violence of all kinds uh, the, and the threat of violence. Uh, but also, we're all, we are all, society is more risk aware than we have ever been before. And, you know, you can point to the, the recent, you know, uh, pandemic that I, I think raised everyone's understanding and awareness of how, you know, uh, uh, something that happened across the world, uh, a small, a small, you know, uh, virus can, can, uh, can create such chaos that and and close down a whole societies and economies and throw us all into uh, you know uh, topsy turvy world uh let, let alone the, the cybersecurity uh you know the ransomware all those things uh uh and on top of that is you know violence and threats of violence and the uh, use of um social media to and other ways to uh, to get people, uh, give people uh, fear to to create a misinf misinformation, creating share of misinformation. Uh, I think those are those things have all combined to make uh, uh, most of us anyway more risk aware than ever before. And I think that that's uh, you know doubly true of those of us who uh, bring together these communities and in conferences and conventions. And we're responsible for that, you know. We, you know, there's, there's. Yeah, I always love that. You know, we, you you walk in on a Thursday and there's nothing happening at the at the convention center, and then within days, we have built this entire community uh, with all these things happening, and then they leave, and it goes back to empty space, you know. And but during that period of time, it's like Camelot. During that period of time, it was, you know, it was something special. And but it's also true that. And, you know, we built a small city and like any city, things can happen. You know, babies can be delivered and uh, people can have uh, health crises and people can fall and people can get sick and uh, people can commit violence or uh, be threatened with violence or, you know, and, and, or they can be attacked by cyber beings. Uh, RIMS was, uh, we had a ransomware attack a few years ago at our convention uh, all the uh, bad actors got into the server that contained all of our PowerPoints and videos for the convention for Risk World uh, and held it for ransom the morning of the beginning of the conference uh, of Risk World conference, right? Uh, and uh, we that was resolved internally. We our, our IT team uh, sort of reversed engineered, uh, turned the tables on them, and uh, we got all of our stuff back. Uh, but you know these are these are real, actual things that happen to conventions and and associations all the time. So you had a unique happening this May at your Risk World conference in Atlanta. Um, right. A shooting occurred two and a half miles from the Georgia World Congress Center, where you were just wrapping up your final day. For nearly 9,000 global risk management professionals and 300 exhibitors. Can you um, tell us a bit about what that was like and what exactly happened? Sure. Uh, we had, um, had had a terrific uh, risk world convention in Atlanta. We we felt uh, we were on top of the world. We we're on cloud nine, you know, we're three hours left to go in the in the in the in the conference. Uh, the the weather was beautiful. The hotels performed magnificently. The World Congress Center could not have done a better job. It was just magnificent. We had 
beating all of our numbers. You know, it was it was glorious. We were ready. We were ready to celebrate. And uh, I came off uh, stage where I had been re rehearsing the closing general session. And uh, our director of communications, uh, Josh Salter, came to me and said, uh, we have a situation. Come with me. And uh, within minutes, I was informed <clears throat> that there had been a shooting two and a half miles away. Um, and the, there was a security perimeter around that area. The gunman was still at large. Uh, and then I was taken to a room where uh, we met uh, with a variety of folks, including the chief of police of the Georgia World Conference Center Police Department. Now, the Georgia World Conference Center is the only conference center that I know of in the United States that has a, a, its own separate state-level law enforcement uh, organization. Uh, and we had met with them multiple times um, in preparation of our of our conven convention. And so we knew who they were. We had been to their command center before. We had we had uh, been, we had learned what they do to monitor their 220 acre campus. Um, and so we were not strangers when we walked into that room. Uh, and also in that room were people from the Convention and Visitors Bureau and, and others from the World Congress Center. And let me just sort of take a side step here just to say one of the reasons that we had worked so hard getting to know the, the, the Georgia World Congress Center staff and police department and went up way above board that year, way above normal uh, on making sure that our security uh, uh, plans were in place was because Taylor Swift happened to be holding concerts during three nights of our Risk World Conference next door okay. uh, in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Uh, and so the, the Riskies and the Swifties were going to be sharing space at the same <laughs> time. 70,000 of the uh, Swifties every night in pink sequins and feathers and having the time of their lives. And it was, uh, but, and then we had, you know, 10,000 blue suited insurance people and risk <laughs> managers. And it, was, it was quite the sight, but think, just think of, you know, from a, an event standpoint, uh, you know, those are the, you know, the crossing of two great streams of, of people uh, and, you know, managing the traffic and you know, making sure everyone was going to be safe. So we worked overtime uh, to make sure that we are, had all our all of our plans in place, so that that's why I say when we walked into the room, there were no strangers. We knew them; they knew us. We knew their capabilities. We had confidence in them. I think they had confidence in us. And with over the the ensuing next hour, um, we monitored uh, uh, through them the uh, the efforts uh, of first responders to uh, secure the perimeter to um, apprehend the gunman, to get a better sense of what was happening. Um, and it turned out very very quickly, we uh, learned that uh, at least several people were, were shot. We later learned that uh, one, one person, uh, Amy St. Pierre, was, was, was shot and killed. Four others were shot in a health clinic uh, by a person who was a, a, a patient there uh, who was upset with his proposed care. Uh, he was with his mother uh, and pulled out a, a weapon and, and started shooting. Um, and um, so that that occurred. Police were trying to obviously apprehend that person. First responders were trying to get there to get the uh, the wounded people out. 
Um, and so all this was happening. And then the information starts to come in. And, you know, we're listening to the police uh, folks. We're listening to the reports from the helicopters. We're now and then soon they're on CNN is broadcasting live and Twitter is a buzz and all the social media are, are happening. And this is all happening very quickly on top of each other. And we're, we're receiving multiple reports, uh, conflicting reports uh, that they've gotten the gunman. No, he's escaped. No, he's still hunkered down. No, he's 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 left and he's in a car. No, he got on the. The, the subway and is now headed to the convention center. You know, so all of these things are happening. Meanwhile, we have, the clock is ticking. Our right. general session is coming closer and closer. We were planning for a big uh, closing night party uh, that was legendary, you know, the legendary closing night party. Um, all this was happening. And now members and board members and vendors are saying, you know, what's happening. And we also quickly realized that the site of the shooting uh, had been secured by the police as they're trying to apprehend and 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 get to the wounded people, and they created a security perimeter that included four of the thirty-two hotels in our room block, and that meant that nobody could get in or out of those hotels, and that also meant that two of our eight shuttle bus routes were closed, and frankly. All of that happening created a massive traffic gridlock. And so really none of the shuttle buses could could run. So all this sort of chaos was happening, uh, on top of which we didn't know where the gunman was. Um, so we made the decision to shelter in place uh, at the convention center, the World Congress Center, uh, and to cancel the closing general session. Uh, and then we had to communicate that, uh, that information. And uh, we executed our... Uh, impl implemented our uh, crisis management response plan, which included sending out a, a message on our convention app. Uh, but as soon as we did that, we realized really only about half of the attendees downloaded the app, despite all of our efforts to get them to download the app. They only, only about half of them do. And then you realize that people turn off notifications or they turn off their phones because they're in meetings, they're in you know educational sessions, they're visiting with, with uh, exhibitors and sponsors. Uh, so we knew that not everyone was going to get that message. So uh, we made up on the spot, we um, uh, asked the World Congress Center to uh, issue a, a visual message on their internal messaging boards, their video uh, screens in front of all the different breakout sessions and throughout the the, the, the Congress Center. And so we issued a, a, a verbal, a written uh, visual message, uh, which probably got the attention, more attention than anything else. Uh, and then we used our uh, automated marketing system to start to issue email blasts to everyone. Um, but that just takes a little bit of time. Uh, and then through the whole thing, uh, uh, I made a video um, and I did it really off, off the cuff uh, just because everything was there. All the, the, the We were getting ready for the general session. So lights, camera, everything was there. So I said, well, let's go ahead and do a video. And so I did a, a video that we then pushed out through the app and put on our website so that we could say, here's what's happening. You're safe in the convention center. And you know, uh, and here's the, what we currently know. 
Uh, and then uh, we made the decision to cancel the closing party uh, for, again, a couple of reasons. The, the gunman was still at large. They didn't apprehend the gunman for eight hours after the, the thing, right? The, the shooting, number one. Number two, the location of the party was just blocks from where the shootings occurred. But most importantly, it didn't feel right. It wasn't the right thing to do in a city that had been traumatized. Uh, so out of respect to the victims and their families and really to the citizens of Atlanta, we, we decided to do that. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. Do you feel that being an association dedicated to the advancement of risk management impacted your actions? Because it sounds like you did everything right in this crisis situation. Uh, you know, I would say that um, RIMS was uh, as, as risk aware as any other association could be. Uh, because of the the culture of the profession, because of the influence of boards of directors uh, over the years, uh, because the fact that we're you know we we provide content about uh, you know gun violence and how to prevent workplace violence and active shooter training, we do all that as as part of what we do for the continuing professional education of risk managers. So we are hyper aware. Um, and you know, it's, we have we have lots of resources in you know about these sorts of things. So, and we had a seventy-three page risk crisis management response plan that we go over heavily, you know, carefully every year. Uh, so, I I think that and that especially that that year because of uh, the coincidence with the Taylor Swift concerts, uh, we had sort of doubled down on our risk awareness and our risk planning because of of everything that was going on um and so we were about as prepared as one could be um and yet at the end of the day we have we learned a lot and we have we've identified many opportunities for improvement for for going going into the future okay. was um the taylor swift concert impacted by the shooting it was not that was the uh, they had concluded their last concert the night before, as I recall. Okay. So um, you mentioned you had a 73-page crisis plan in place. Is this something you recommend all associations have? I recommend that all associations have a crisis management plan. Um, and it doesn't have to be 73 pages. In fact, I would recommend not to have a 73-page plan. That's one of our learnings going forward. Uh, when when you when you get right down to it, there's a lot of redundancy in 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 that plan. Uh, probably probably because we are a risk management society, we we over over prescribed all the different aspects. Uh, but there, it, it needs to be something that is 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 easy to understand. Uh, it, it, the the response team needs to be carefully documented 
uh, the, the people in the response team need to understand what their roles and responsibilities are. Your communication uh, channels need to be carefully identified and mapped and then drilled. Uh, the team needs to know how to issue that communication on the app. Uh, can you issue a visual communication within the convention center? How do you interface with the police department? Um, how do you reach your shuttle bus operators? How do you reach the hotels? You know, one of the big learnings, if not the big learning from our ex experience was while we had that 73 page plan and while we had, you know, had many, many meetings about what we were due and what our plans were, all of our planning really focused on things that would have happened at or to the World Congress Center, to the convention center. Um, and in retrospect, as, now that we have gone through this experience, it became clear that if you have a citywide convention, you have to have a citywide plan. Uh, because we hadn't really contemplated what if something happens two and a half miles away, hmm. you know, what it, it, under what circumstances could something that so happens somewhere else in the city impact our convention? And, and it's interesting Ian, when you when you go back and you and you do an after action report on what happened, you know, the shooting occurred directly two and a half miles north of our location right in the heart of um, Midtown. It affected the, the hotels and the shuttle bus routes where most of our people were staying. Had the shooting occurred three miles or two miles to the east or the west, and it didn't impact shuttle bus routes or it didn't impact the hotels, we might have had a different response. Or if the shooting happened five miles away or even one mile away and they, they apprehended or, or or contained the 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 um the shooter in some way immediately it would have we would have had a different response we wouldn't have had to cancel you know the last evening so you have to think through all of those different scenarios and and again and it's not just about um gun violence it's about many forms of violence and 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 security issues i mean you were about to gather 9,000 people, 300 exhibitors, which is a big group. Um, and then, you know, the last day just got canceled. What was the reaction you got from the group? Uh, positives. Uh, people understood. People commiserated. Um, uh, they put themselves in, you know, our shoes and uh, and they could see, you know, we we, you know, we were running around going from place to place and I made couple of pub uh, announcements from general session stage. People had gathered in a conference room. Um, and so people understood what we were going through. Um, and uh, I, we, I think we had exactly one person who complained. Uh, they wanted their money back uh, because <laughs> of the cancel, just, but just for the portion of the closing general session that they felt they paid for. But other than that, no issues. Now, I should also say that the closing reception, the closing party, was fully sponsored and organized by one of our major exhibitors and sponsors. And we're talking about a very serious amount of money. It's a heck of a party. And I gave them tremendous credit. Uh, they never blinked. They knew right away that it was the right thing to do to cancel to cancel that event. Um, and I, I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. But 
everybody understood not the right thing to do. And then, um, so they didn't ask for their money back, the sponsor, that no. just because of the circumstances. Right, right. Okay. Other than risk management, what do you see as the biggest challenge currently facing the event industry? Well, I think risk management is a pretty big one. Uh, you know, it, I think in in, in general, uh, you know, we're all still recovering from COVID. We're all still returning to some semblance of a normalcy. Uh, you know, our, our numbers of we we our numbers grew dramatically this year. Uh, obviously, we were back. Uh, obviously, we were we were back uh, in uh, twenty one, uh, but. Uh, in 22 rather um for our first one but the numbers were dramatically up in 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 uh, 23 and we expect uh our numbers to continue to grow so i think we're all still recovering uh getting our getting our numbers back up and reinventing the conferences to to create to create a more compelling experiences more interactive and engaging experiences um uh, so I think that that's uh, definitely uh, an aspect and re-engaging with the international community that outside of North America. I just just finished the meeting about that right before this one where, uh, you know, our numbers outside of North America still aren't what they used to be. Uh, and, you know, for various reasons. So uh, bringing bringing those numbers back in. Um, but I think, you know, I think people, you know, people have a hunger to meet. Um, you know, as as the philosopher once said, all true living is meeting. We don't really truly live until we engage with other people. And that's when we better understand our own humanity and the humanity of others. And so all true living is meeting and getting people together uh, is powerful and valuable and touches the human heart in a way that uh, being on Zoom, you know, or other video conferences just doesn't just doesn't do. So you mentioned your international attendees and, um, you know, we also talked for a story I'm writing about gun violence and meetings and conventions. And in my research, I found there's several countries that have travel advisories in place about coming to the U.S. because of the high incidence of gun violence in this country. What was some of the reaction you got from your international attendees to what happened last year? And is that impacting your numbers for, for this year? It's, it's too early to say if it's going to impact our numbers for San Diego in May. We're we're just uh, we're two weeks away from opening registration for that. So, uh, but I I just came back from a trip to Japan. Uh, I was earlier in Canada. I was earlier in uh, London. Uh, I I will absolutely agree that uh, it's on the minds of uh, people that are thinking about coming to U.S. destinations. Um, it, it you know most of them understand um, that it's 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 not uh, as endemic as is portrayed maybe in some of the media outside the United States and not it's not as pervasive, um, but it is a concern. No, absolutely no question. And and it's the same with with people here in North America who bring it up. Uh, we we just did a conference in in uh, in Canada in Ottawa for fifteen hundred. Um, and more than more than a few Canadians expressed concerns about uh, their their professional counterparts attending meetings in the United States and are we concerned and what are we doing and that sort of thing. So uh, I, I do believe that the uh, the the perception 
uh, of, of increased violence uh, is something that the meetings industry and the association industry is going to need to uh, deal with. Um, and that's, you know, one of the reasons that I'm, you know, I'm uh, RIMS and uh, is working with uh, ASAE and ASIS, a securities related uh, in association. Uh, I'm, I'm a co-chair of this effort, uh, which is a risk management and convention safety collaboration uh, because we're, we're, we're trying to create more tools for association and, and event managers to better prepare uh, and, and uh uh, develop uh, crisis management plans. Uh, we we plan to issue a, a toolkit uh, in coming months um, that will provide more tangible tools uh, and steps, guidelines, uh, checklists uh, for event uh, professionals to to uh, use as a resource to plan their own crisis management plans and and to better think through. The, the various aspects um, of, of, of this challenge that we're all facing with, because, um, you, you know, uh, it's, it's real. And the, 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 interestingly, you know, at, because of what happened to us, I've had the opportunity now to have conversations with many others and learn their stories of, of violence that is, that has impacted their conventions as well. Um, and so, um, you know, this is is this is not uh, theoretical. This is real, and it's a real danger, and it's something that we need to, as an industry, both our destination partners and our vendor community, uh, and certainly the event event sponsors, need to take seriously, and we need to address um, upfront and ask the hard questions. Um, in the midst of the pandemic, the industry got together and formed Go Live Together. You know, it was 80 founding partners representing over 4,000 companies related to helping the industry recover from COVID. Some people feel a similar coalition should be started to combat gun violence. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that the industry needs to come together to better understand how we can uh, pre prevent um, uh, violence from uh, impacting uh, conferences uh, and, and meetings, uh, but also to prepare um, and plan for inevitable crises of all kinds. Uh, and again, I, I think here about cybersecurity is, is one that's that's, you know, uh, definitely impacting groups. We had a cybersecurity ransomware attack just a few years ago, uh, where uh, outside actors uh, came in and took control of the server uh, on which we had all of the videos and PowerPoints, you know, for our for our Risk World convention, uh, and held it all for ransomware, uh, for ransom. Uh, and we, you know, it was the morning of our, you know, opening morning of the convention. So. Uh, that is that again. That's a, that's just, just that's another aspect of the new threat environment that um, association and event managers face, and it's um, it's it has to be viewed in my in my thinking as a comprehensive uh, analysis, uh, not just confined to gun violence per se, but all aspects of violence as well as. Uh, 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 domestic terrorism, uh, other aspects of that uh, 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 
things that could interrupt uh, and disrupt um, conferences. Uh, we have a pro we have protests usually every year, uh, usually peaceful, and we support their right to peacefully assemble. Um, and but we we monitor social media traffic. You know there are there are those who do more than peacefully protest, and we have to be aware of that. Um, so I think that uh, uh, the industry needs to come together and uh, have a serious, fierce conversation uh, and create. Uh, real tools and provide resources and guidelines for us all uh, to better protect the hundreds of thousands or millions of participants in our in our meeting in our face to face meetings. If there was one piece of advice you could give a meeting professional when it comes to risk, what would that be? We are all risk managers now. Hmm. We're all risk managers now. And uh, my advice is to take that role and responsibility very seriously. Uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when something bad is going to happen. Um, that's the way you have to look at it. And you have to prepare for all threats, all hazards, and uh, be prepared. I'm an old Boy Scout, right? So be prepared was the motto. Uh, and I think that's the same, the same viewpoint that we have to adopt now. Um, and not just theoretically, not just on a piece of paper uh, or, you know, in, in a file somewhere, a digital file somewhere, uh, but you need to make sure that you have a clear plan, uh, that your your team knows what its roles and responsibilities are, and then they drill on it. They have to know what to do in that five minutes that you have to learn about a, a situation, a threat, uh, how to assess that situation. And then what to do? What are, what are your response options? And then how to you how do you implement those response options? Because um, all of those things take minutes, and in a in a threat environment, minutes matter. Uh, luckily for us, this uh, you know this event happened two and a half miles away and was not an imminent threat to our building or our people. Although at first we, it could have happened to anybody, you know, any of our attendees in that in that radius of the of the of the shooting, we had to determine that. Uh, but all of uh, all of all of this happens in this in this traumatic cauldron crucible of of pressure, um, and that's not when you want to start thinking about hmm, what is our plan? Who does that? Right? Who 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 issues the 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 app communication? How do we do that? That's not when you want to be thinking about that. I mean, you've been an association professional and event professional for years. Would you say this was the most stressful part of any event you've been, you've planned or been part of? Uh, this was the most stressful four hours of my 42 year career. Wow. Okay. But and I, I wish it on no one. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad it happened to, to me. I'm glad it happened to RIMS. Uh, my, you know, our colleague, uh, Stuart Ruff Lyon was a chair, a chaired the PCMA board and he's the head, head of my, uh, of rooms event, uh, and, and, and meetings. Uh, so Stuart and I were in that room along with, uh, Josh Salter, uh, a trained crisis communication professional. Right. And so we had, you had three really experienced people, uh, association, uh, and meetings professionals, uh, and we were in a room with, you know, trained law enforcement people that had, you know, 
been working in, a, in emergency preparedness and response for decades. So a wonderfully trained group uh, and, and who knew each other, were not strangers to each other, understood each other's competencies and, and had confidence in them. So if it was going to happen to anybody, I'm glad it happened to us. It is ironic that it happened at an event like yours. Yeah. And we, and again, you know, we had, we had actually done active shooter training, uh, be, you know, three days wow. before this incident occurred, because that's one, one of the things we do. And you did that amongst your team or was that part of training for attendees? For the, for the participants in the conference, the conference oh. attendees. We, we have, you know, risk management is a, is a very broad field. So uh, risk managers do worry about and do prepare for things like preventing workplace violence, uh, response to uh, active assailant uh, situations, uh, you know, those sorts of things. So, you know, uh, our members work for corporations, universities, hospitals, school systems, government agencies, you know, and you, you look at what's happened just this year alone. And, uh, you know, event, uh, active assailants have, have touched all of those places. Um, and active assailants have, have touched, you know, movie theaters and parks and uh, theme parks and uh, school systems and, you know, all of those places. So wherever people gather, um, concerts, uh, festivals, you know, wherever especially wherever thousands of people gather, unfortunately it, it makes an attractive target for people that are have either compelled by mental illness or compelled by um, other reasons um, to, to, to commit acts of heinous violence. Um, and we just you know we, we see that every day in our news and but I will say that it, it's 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 real. It can happen anywhere to any size convention in any city. And it's it's got to be job one for the for for us going forward in the next few years to figure this out. Well, this was fascinating. We always wrap up our podcasts by asking for a recommendation as who you feel we should have on the next podcast. And one and one question we should ask that person. Oh wow, gosh, I didn't uh, prepare for that. I would. Uh, I talked to somebody um, who maybe has um, uh, experience in in risk management uh, or safety and security for festivals or other large scale public events, uh, ballparks, uh, for example, um, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, because that's you know it is a distinctly unique thing. It's it, you know it's it's um, prepare, uh, securing a a school uh, is a very different uh, challenge than than securing uh, an opening reception in you know downtown San Diego, which is well, you know in the gas lamp district where we're going to have our opening reception in May, extending blocks and blocks and blocks, uh, or at a at a at a sports sporting event, you know. So um, I think that those are all things that we need to uh, to learn more about. Uh, okay. okay, great. Well, this was fascinating. I thank you so much for being part of our podcast. I'm happy to happy to be here and happy to share the story. And thank you for helping get the story out. My pleasure.